Hello and welcome to the Ontario Animal Health Network podcast. Quick and handy tips for veterinarians and producers on the go. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, coordinator for the Ontario Animal Health Network, or OWEN, and today we're joined by Dr. Tom Baker, who's a veterinarian but also the manager of the Featherboard Command Centre. Welcome, Tom. Good day. So, Tom, we are here today to talk about avian influenza because we're seeing some things around the world and in the United States that we thought that producers should know about in Ontario. For those new to the issue, what is avian influenza? Yes, well, avian influenza is a virus. I mean, we're very familiar with uh, influenzas that go through the human population every year, um, but avian influenza is, is, is a generally a different virus that uh, can infect uh, wild birds and it can also infect uh, domesticated poultry, chickens, turkeys, pheasants, quails, ducks, geese, guinea fowl, all the, the domesticated birds um, can be affected by uh, avian influenza. And um, this is a disease where the birds get infected often when they have contact with um, uh, feces or secretions from birds that were that are infected. Um, and the other way they, they get infected is, is when they have uh, contact with a contaminated surface or with infected food and water supplies. So there's many ways this even influenza virus can be transmitted. Um, but it, it, it varies to not all avian influenza viruses are equal. There's, um, you know, a range of uh, uh, impact that, that, that they have. There's some, you know, that they call highly pathogenic, and there's other AI viruses that are called, you know, that have low pathogenicity. So just, um, just, for, the, um, just for the newbies out there, what does pathogenicity mean? Yeah, the... The pathogenicity really is almost it's more like a laboratory term. It really uh, speaks to the impact this virus has when it's ex- when birds are exposed to it. So in, in this case, uh, chickens are primarily used to uh, test these viruses. Um, so it, the, the pathogenicity refers to the impact on birds, not not on humans. So uh, a highly pathogenic virus. Uh, cause severe illness and death in domestic birds and a, a low pathogenic uh, virus would typically sometimes have no clinical signs and in other cases would be very mild clinical signs. But in both cases, um, it may or may not affect humans, correct? That's correct. There, these viruses, AI, the avian influenza virus is... I'm not a virologist, but I'm told it's, it's one of the viruses that is most... Uh, inclined to mutate. It's always uh, circulating, recirculating, swapping genes with, uh, with other avian influenza viruses. So it's, uh, it's an annual challenge. Uh, we see that in the human world when they're trying to design vaccines for us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, usually um, some of them aren't as effective some years as they could because the virus has, has changed. So we, we see that um, here in avian influenza as well. I love what you said about the difference between high path and low path. So explaining that high path is uh, is affects the bird significantly and low path doesn't affect the bird significantly, but it may or may not have much to do with the humans um, or uh, but in with, but if there is an impact on humans, then public health officials will certainly let us know. And what can you tell us about the recent outbreak in the United States in Tennessee? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd call these outbreaks. Uh, I think they're incidents. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, and I think that's important to know. that the, These incidents, uh, and I'll just summarize what, at this point, there may be more, uh, you know, in the future. But right now we're dealing with uh, three um, 
three incidents. Uh, there was some uh, chicken breeding, uh, chicken breeders' uh, flocks in uh, Tennessee. One of them came down with a high path, and another with a low path. Um, different independent situations, not in the same area. And also some turkeys in Wisconsin that came down with a low path. So um, those have been largely, I would say, from what I can see, very well managed by the government. Um, they've got the depopulation, uh, you know, and so on, uh, quarantine uh, measures in place. So those, at this point, it's always hard to tell with even influenza, but it would appear that they have those under control. Not to say there won't be some others pop up, but... Um, these uh, three incidents seem to be, you know, quite independent. Um, what is interesting is that they're all located within the, what they call the Mississippi Flyway. Um, that's not a highway. That's just generally uh, uh, the, the bird people say have divided the continent into these different flyways based on typically where the birds, you know, the directions that they migrate. And and this flyway is actually extends north into Ontario. So. Um, you know, it's something that we want to, to keep an eye on. Right, and I think that's why we thought about this uh, this podcast as an idea to just give everybody an update and also to kind of move into what it is that they sh- that each producer in Ontario should know about avian influenza, how to recognize the signs, what should they do, um, whether you're a small flock uh, producer or a commercial producer. Um, so to kind of move into that, what have, the bi- what have the clinical signs been with this strain this year? It uh, what we're seeing this year is, uh, uh, particularly the cases in the U.S. was um, fairly. Um, in the case of uh, the initial um, day one sort of thing, the farmers were basically detecting birds that uh, just generally depressed, lacked energy, um, a little bit off on their food and movement, um, and then what they then then a day later they they seen uh, mortality, they seen sudden death. And, uh, you know, on some respiratory signs, where, you know, in terms of difficulty breathing and, uh, and, and this type of thing. But this is the way this virus functions is that uh, you don't have much time. It explodes very quickly. So mm-hmm. when, you, when a farmer detects a, a bird with, with, you know, a slight abnormality, even if it's not causing death yet, um, need to move quickly. Now, um, now you mentioned mortality. Um, is it the same level, same amount of high mortality that we saw in the strain uh, in 2015? Is it that same? Is it that same presentation or a bit different? Yeah, it's a. It's, it is a different virus, but we're seeing very similar uh, presentation in terms of the mortality. I mean, we're just really the one high path so far in, in, yeah. in the U.S., but it, it acted very similar to what we saw in Ontario in 2015, even though it was a different virus. Okay. Um, now, I should mention in, um, when uh, another clinical sign that sometimes is the first to show up, in some cases the only sign to show up, is decreased egg production. So, you, you know, in an egg-laying operation or uh, breeding uh, flock, um, with some viruses, uh, some of the influenza viruses, the, the birds keep eating and uh, they just quit laying eggs very dramatically, just quit. Um, I, that wasn't reported in this incident, so I, I can't speak to it, but we've certainly seen that in uh, turkeys and in in in, um, in, in the past and uh, also uh, other bird, uh, laying birds. Okay. Um, yeah, and I understand also that it can show up and manifest in different ways in different species. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 
Um, so good to keep an eye on your birds, no matter what your species is. If they're if they yeah. get off, then it's important to notify your veterinarian quickly. Yeah, I mean, typically, I can say this uh, to date: this virus has tended to uh, hit more mature birds. Okay. You know, uh, but uh, that's not an ironclad rule, and every virus has its own unique features. So I certainly wouldn't want to imply that uh, uh, you know younger uh, birds would uh, not be vulnerable to the disease. Yeah, it seems to be an interesting virus from uh, from all of the examples that you see. That it um, it really just doesn't always follow the rule books. <laughs> it can yeah, be different yeah, depending. Exactly. So uh, some of these some viruses, as a veterinarian, you know, you can be very some viruses and bacteria. It's just very, you know, you know what to expect. It's going to look this way. But this is a this is just an interesting case. So it's yeah. <laughs> make, I guess it it really keeps uh, keeps everybody on their toes. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and, and basically. Uh, Detecting abnormalities, and I mean the farmers, the commercial farmers already monitor their you know, water and feed consumption, and those are sometimes early indicators too. So, Tom, let's uh, let's chat about what uh, small flock producers should know and how they uh, how they can prevent avian influenza on their farms. Yeah, it's um, the principles for small flock growers are, are, are the same as for commercial farmers in terms of. Uh, keeping the virus uh, off their farm, off their uh, premises. Um, the, obviously, the, the, the risks of, of avian influenza um, don't differentiate between commercial or non-commercial. Um, so precautions are in order when there is, uh, you know, this time of the year, uh, and particularly uh, birds that may, uh, you know, is, when the weather warms up, may be kept outside part of the time. Uh, there is, a, one could argue, an increased risk of exposure. Uh, to to wild bird um, uh, contaminated uh, surfaces and so on, um, but I want to maybe just go over a few of the um, specifics of, of the small flock operations. Then there's such a wide variety of them that uh, it's kind of difficult to cover. You know the specific risks that some individual might have. They really need to examine their the business they're in and and, and identify the hazards of all you know. Make a list, basically, of the things that could cause the disease to come into their uh, into their backyard. So, certainly, those uh, who are attending poultry exhibitions, shows, sales, uh, swap meets, whatever, um, are at a particularly high risk of introducing an infected bird back into their um, flock. And and so, I mean, basically, the importance of Segregating any new birds that uh, that you purchase uh, from you know, the rest of your flock uh, until you have a a better idea of um, of their disease status. That that's certainly a very uh, important thing to do. Um, and also where you got the birds in case they do get sick, uh, there can be the government can carry out a trace back. Um, really, uh, another risk is sharing equipment uh, with other uh, small flock growers or, or bird owners. Uh, not a good idea in general, and if you do, just make sure that you have the right chemicals to clean and disinfect, but it, it's certainly a risk. Um, you'd be uh, prudent to uh, not encourage visitors onto your premises during uh, this time of the year and, and when there's a risk of uh, AI. Um, basically, any one of those people coming onto your premises to where your birds are at least, um, if maybe they've been at a bird sale or show or they may not have, um, you know, if they have birds of their own, they they, they, they could actually introduce the virus to, to your birds. So these uh, 
these are important things to consider mm-hmm. uh, for small flocks. And, and I guess basic hygiene. Um, you know, the clothes that you wear when you're in the boots that you wear when you're looking after your birds should be strictly limited to you know to that area that work area they shouldn't you shouldn't be using that same clothing or boots when you go onto the street or or visit your next door neighbor or or what have you so that's the farm store and back yeah exactly or the tim hortons yeah um so, so that's really important. And basic hygiene, hand washing, um, all the things that we do for food safety reasons really apply um, for, for animal health as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one producer, I know when we were going through the even influenza outbreak, we had a small flock call and one producer of uh, small flock said that they kept um, a specific pair of rubber boots and a yeah. pair of coveralls kind of right by the entrance yeah. of their barn. Um, they had kind of a little, like, you know, in their in their area. And I thought that was actually a really great idea mm. just to have a separate. You can even get Tyvek ones from uh, from TSD that are not expensive. So Yeah, yeah. It's not like you have to have a whole moon suit, but it's basic yeah. uh, making sure that... Uh, that you the clothing is, is 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 not the same as you would wear in other areas of your of your home or or public areas. The other thing that um, not just for even influenza, but the other thing is just making sure that uh, birds, new birds that you're introducing into your flock and mixing with the ones you already have, just have being really clear that they're healthy and and also being aware if they've had any vaccinations. Yeah, it's, I mean, ideally, from a disease point of view, you'd have a flock that comes in at the same time and leaves at the same time. But I know that doesn't correspond with, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the nature of many small flocks, right, because they're continuing renewing and there is quite a variation in the age of the birds. And so it's, uh, this can be a challenge sometime. Um, the, the other thing, uh, if the birds are... Um, being kept outside is is just uh, making sure their 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 feed and water are protected from from wild birds and um and making uh you know in if there is a an outbreak occurs in Ontario uh, certainly people will be made aware of that and there will be quarantine zones particularly in the quarantine zones it's important that the birds be kept inside um in the first few weeks of an outbreak uh, we may not even know the extent of it until there's a you know, fair bit of surveillance done. You often don't know uh, if it's going to be a small outbreak or a big outbreak. And um, so caution is definitely in order if there is a case in Ontario. Okay, great. Okay, um, and what resources should small flock owners and uh, small flock uh, producers turn to to um, to try to inform themselves? Um, you know, where can they find out if there are outbreaks? Where can they, um, you know, where should they be looking to find credible information? Yeah. It's um, certainly the OMAFRA has on their website. The Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs has has developed some specific material for. Um, uh, backyard flocks. Uh, they've just released an advisory, in fact, a few days ago, to um, that uh, directed towards small flock owners and bird fanciers. So that's a, a really good source. Um, and uh, once again, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has a, a page on their website on uh, bird health basics and goes over some of the biosecurity measures appropriate for small flocks. Um, when there is an outbreak, uh, we encourage people to sign up to the FBC, the Featherboard Command Center's website, fbcc.ca, um, 
because that way they can get uh, ongoing updates on you know how how an outbreak is unfolding. Um, so we even have, uh, small flock producers can yeah. sign up for that. Okay, that's yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay, and we'll, uh, we'll post a link to that on uh, together with the podcast, as well as um, yeah. where find these resources that you've mentioned there, Tom. Um, yeah. The other thing I, sh- I should mention as well is that if you're not a big, if you uh, if you're not a huge email user, but you do consume Facebook or Twitter, um, the Ontario Animal Health Network. Uh, if you follow us, we we do post um, all of the Featherboard Command Center uh, information and any uh, OMAFRA updates as well, and any other news items that relate to um, that relate to any outbreaks that are happening across all species. So if there's anything go- to, uh, that has to do with um, with avian influenza, we will be posting that. So. Yeah, that's that's right. That's uh, very useful and certainly helpful for the veterinarians as well, having access to that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that sounds wonderful. Um, is there any, um, and we we should probably address as well, so small flock producers, uh, one of the challenges that um, that has been brought forward at some of the training sessions that, that we've done is, um, and, that, um, and on the calls from previously was that there may not be that many veterinary uh, resources or people don't always know where to find a veterinarian. Um, so just wanted to bring up... Um, and Tom, feel free to jump in here, but um, veterinarians across Ontario um, can be, you know, you can contact any veterinarian and they will hopefully, um, if they're not comfortable with uh, treating poultry, hopefully they can refer you to somebody who can. Um, but there is also a resource for veterinarians um, where they can sign up with the Ontario Animal Health Network to receive, to be on a small flock poultry listserv so they can, um, you know, so they can be um, linked in with all of these things. So if, if it's, um, if you are a small flock producer, do make sure that you have a veterinary contact of some kind before something happens in your flock. So if you're making plans for the spring to have chicks or to have meat birds or to have whatever, um, do make sure that you line up some kind of veterinarian. And it, you know, you may need to call to your veterinarian and get referred to another one. Or it depends on depends on what uh, who's available in your area. So do make sure that you have that in advance of of any any medical issues happening. Um, and I don't know if, Tom, if you have anything to add to that. No, I think that's really a good uh, resource that's been made available. And this this issue has really just come to the fore over the last couple of years. I mean, there's really not a lot of private poultry veterinarians in the province. Most of the poultry veterinarians either work for, for government or for, for, for some of the large processing and that companies and hatchery companies. So there's there's not that many private veterinarians that specialize in poultry. There, there are some. I, I should mention that, uh, you know, the, the, it's become very popular to have, uh, to raise uh, birds um, in, small, in small flocks. We've registered 17,000 in Ontario. Uh, uh, premises that are, are raising small flocks, and, and so we were, a- we were able to provide some um, services to those. Certainly, when there's an outbreak, they're notified. Uh, we we uh, distributed these advisory. This AI advisory was uh, sent out to all those that we had emails for. Now we don't have emails for everyone, um, but uh, that that's uh, that's helpful, and, and certainly. Uh, I think increasingly more veterinarians are are realizing this is a service they they need to provide for the community, regardless of what other species that uh, they they look after. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's something specialized that they don't feel comfortable in, then of course they can draw on these resources that you described, which is is excellent. 
The other thing that uh, that people may wish to know is that um, through the College of Veterinarians, um, cvo.org, uh, you can search and find a veterinarian depending on their, their area of interest. So you can search on that um, and you can put in your geographic area and the range in which you're searching. So it's a helpful tool. Um, that's our governing body. So every veterinarian who practices on a specific species um, is licensed um, by by the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. So they should have that information there, and it is a great searching tool. So again, that's cvo.org, so you can turn there. Um, okay, so thanks very much, Tom. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we conclude? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining us. Um, and feel free to, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, check out our previous podcast for small flock producers about biosecurity and avian influenza, um, which we produced during the 2015 outbreak. Uh, we interviewed um, Al Dam, who is a, um, the Amafra Extension Specialist for Poultry, um, and he gave some very practical uh, tips as well for, um, for small flock owners. So we'll also provide a link to that beside this podcast. Thanks and have a great day.